everything is everything here is um on there blurred which is very appropriate does it have like an automatic for like the Hasidic community that it blurs a face if it's like a woman? No. Okay. Anyway, let's get let's get started. So here it blurs everything but me, and I'm wearing my classy Chabaders baseball shirt with a classy jacket over it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Chabad NDG's uh, Tisha B'av uh, Lamentations session, and um, I'm Rabbi Tzvi, um, and. Uh, what have I got to say? So um, I'm going to talk first a little bit while we wait for more people to, to show up. I'll talk about um, Tisha B'Av, tell you what to expect. I'm going to have to keep hitting the admin uh, button. I'll, I'll, I'll oh, yeah. My assistant, my secretary will take care of that. Um, third secretary, like the lowest of all the levels of secretary. <laughs> so... So um, okay, but it's a it's a it's it's the darkest day on the Jewish calendar. So uh, first, I'm gonna before I get to the traditions of what to do. Um, although maybe I'll repeat it. If you are sitting, I am right now sitting on the ground. So wherever you are, um, if you're sitting, if you were sitting on a chair, the first tradition is um, get off your chair and sit on the ground or sit on something low. You could take a pillow. You can put it on your tuchus. Or if you are like me, I plumped up my tuchus for a couple of months by eating a lot while standing. <laughs> so I'm ready. It's automatically cushioned. Sorry, sorry. Um, this is supposed to be sad. <laughs> this is supposed to be sad. All right, all right. Another thing. Dark humor only. Dark humor only. The um, another thing is um, you're supposed to uh, don't eat if you've got popcorn and you're to watch this. Put away the popcorn. All right. Um, and if you ate anchovies was the last thing before the fast, I, I just pity you. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> I hope you drank a gallon of water before the fast, because I know I did. Um, what else? No uh, leather shoes. Don't wear leather shoes. You should wear Crocs like I do. Um, and that's on a daily basis. <laughs> I know. You could also go walk around in ice skates. I do that too. Although, do they have rubber? They have, not rubber. I meant leather. Leather shoes. No leather shoes. No leather. There's no leather, no leather. souls. Do they have leather souls? Um, yeah, we're not going to talk about people's souls. Um, <laughs> now, what else? Uh, are there any other stuff that I that I neglected to mention? Uh, I think those are the main stuff. Oh, lotions. No lotions. Yeah, no, no lotions. No, no. So, as a good no Jew, lotions. as a good Ashkenazi Jew, avoid the sun. Do not shower. No, seriously. T- tonight, tomorrow, do not shower. Um, no sex. Um, what else? No, yeah, no deodorant. That's something I've been keeping for a week already. Um, that's why I'm sitting in the corner here by myself. Hold on, I gotta admit someone else. Okay. But um, the shower before did Yeah, yeah. You should have showered just before. But um darn shame. Yeah, yeah. It's a darn shame. I haven't showered since 1990. Okay. Um <laughs> all right. So before I read it, let's talk about Tishabov. Tishabov is the most tragic day on the Jewish calendar. It's the saddest day. I was asked to talk about the history of it because that's what I'm very into the history. So um I'm actually gonna read a little bit from the sources, but before I get to the sources. Um, there's, uh, I'll talk about some of the things that happened on Tisha B'Av. Just give a quick run through. It starts, the first disaster is the story of the spies. Back when, after we left Egypt, we were in the desert and year one has passed. We received the Torah. 
we um, uh, we receive the Torah, we worship the golden calf, and we've 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 even traveled to Kadesh Barnea, somewhat near um, the land of Israel, and um, we're 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 on the path to Israel. And uh, the people demand uh, that spies be, uh, sorry, that Hashem tells Moshe to send spies in, and he sends in 12 spies. Ten of them, they return, and ten of them give a report. Rather than just sharing the facts of what they saw, they, it's kind of like today's media. That's right. Oh. Facts, it's always an opinion, either leaning to the right or the left. And in their case, they gave an opinion, and it was, and their opinion was, um, uh, was created fear and created crying. And the Midrash tells us that God said, hey, you're you're crying a lot today. I'll give you what to cry for the entire... Whoa. Hold on. People are allowed to unmute? What is this? This is supposed to be a dictatorship. What's going on? I'll have my uh, my assistant over here. He's, um, he's blurry because he's cynic and he'll take <laughs> care of that. Okay. So, um, so where was I? Um, yeah. Uh, so, so the, uh, so yeah, so, so that, that was the first disaster. The first disaster was the sin of the spies that led to the entire generation. First of all, there was a plague. Most of the generation was wiped out there. That's one of the reasons for the 40 years, because at the, at the end of the, for the 40 years in, inside the, um, the, uh, desert, the other reason is because a Jew lost a nickel, but, um, the, 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 the reason why we lasted 40 years was because the spies, um, um, came back with a negative report, and that entire generation would die, with the exception of the two spies who brought the good news. Um, now, now that's the first disaster. The next is uh, now. Uh, many years go by, and um, trying to think around what year it was. It was somewhere around I forget the exact year, four or five hundred BC, when um, I think it's four twenty BC, four, four, four but around four hundred BC is when. The um between is when the first temple is destroyed, and um, I'll go into that later. I'll read the actual from the book. It blurs the book automatically. Um, that forty years that happened. That happened in um uh. So that that happened. Um, what, what was I going there? That happened on. It was uh, it was actually maybe I should I should mention. It. You know what? I'll mention it all when I go through there. Um, then the second temple is destroyed. Another uh, uh, four hundred and eighty years later, um, in seventy CE. So if you're good at math, you can figure out when the first one was uh, destroyed. Um, uh, following that, there is. The last stand, I guess you could say, there was a big revolution, the Bar Kokhba revolution. Uh, so um, the, the Bar Kokhba revolution, in which um, we almost got Jerusalem. We, we all they started building a third temple, um, and uh, um, that got shut down. Uh, they, 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 there was murder, like they murdered tens of thousands in, uh, and I'm, I'm frozen on the screen. I see. Um, oh, there we go. Um, they, they, in Beitar, and that happened on the on Tisha B'av. Um, the following year, uh, Jerusalem was raised and Jews were no, it was renamed to, uh, Alina Capitolina. And it was, uh, the entire country was renamed to Palestinian, uh, to, to Palestine. Um, this was by the Romans and, um, Tinius Rufus was the, was the governor who did that. And Jews weren't even allowed to stand at a distance and look at Jerusalem. That's how, that's how banned we were for hundreds of years. That happened on Tisha B'Av. That decision 
was made on Tisha B'Av. They, they, they tore down the, anything that was starting to be rebuilt. They tore down the walls and everything. Um, what follows is the next one. Now, now some of these are near Tisha B'Av, not exactly on Tisha B'Av. So this is a, one example. The first crusade, I did a whole series on the crusade. Anyone here who was at, at that series? It was, um, uh, we went through the whole first crusade. Well, I went through actually the crusades, but it all started on Tisha B'Av or around Tisha B'Av. This wasn't exactly on Tisha B'Av. That was a huge disaster in which, uh, like really, really terrible, which saw mass suicides among the Ashkenazi Jews um, after feeling safe and protected more or less for hundreds of years in Europe. That was the beginning of the end. Again, I'm, I'm not, I won't worry about it. Um, the um, the uh, the next disaster I could think of is, and I'm skipping, but uh, the Jews were expelled from England um, on Tisha B'av. That was on, that was on the ninth of Av, directly. The Jews were expelled from France in the early 1300s. Uh, uh, that's the next one on Tisha B'av. Um, the Jew, the big expulsion, mass, those were massive disasters. The expulsion from England lasted from. I think it was in the early 1200s, and it went all the way down to the 1660s. 1138. 1138, sorry. And then to, to the 1660s is when no Jews were allowed in England. That's many, many years. Um, uh, France, yeah, France was uh, was a lot, not, but, but it was still, it was a disaster. Uh, that was in the early 1300s. Um, the expulsion from Spain, um, where it was, um, which infuriates me because uh, that we have a street here named after Isabella, who was the primary one who got, you know, right in the heart of the Jewish community. There's even a stone thanking Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand uh, of Spain. And uh, it's, it's shocking that it exists here in Montreal in the middle of the Jewish community, a street named in her honor. She um, expelled all all the Jews or forcibly basically or had them. They had to convert, and hundreds of thousands. Of, this led to the, the, the this is the start of it, not the start, but this is the Inquisitions coming, all that. The real, real, real tragedies that happened um, right around Tisha B'av. It wasn't exactly Tisha B'av, um, unless you count specific details. Um, other examples include first the First World War started on Tisha B'av, the assassination of um, what was his name? Huh? Yeah, exactly. Um, so he was he was assassinated on Tisha B'av. That started the First World War. The final solution was signed on Tisha B'av in the Second World War and the, the Holocaust. Um, so this decision to formally, you know, kill all, murder all the Jews in a very formal manner, that was on Tisha B'av. Um, and, uh, Did yeah. these dictators know of this day? Did they know this day was a tragic day? Yeah. Like it's story yeah, Haman. Like like Haman knew that that Adar was a really well. He thought because Moses died, he didn't realize Moses was born. Did they know of Jewish history? Did they know? Yeah, possibly. I mean, not that I know of. I mean, aside from uh, from Haman, you don't see you don't see all these people's thoughts in Bukhadnezar and Titus. You don't see it. Doesn't mention it. Anyway. Is it's all coincidence. Well, yeah. So we see it as a decree from Hashem. All started with the sin of the spies. Now let's get even into more modern times. Um, in more modern times, I would say that in 1994, uh, some I remember this, the bombing in uh, Buenos Aires, yeah, that uh, killed how many? 70 Jews? Uh, that's, that killed. How many were injured? Seriously. Um, maimed for the rest of their life, right? That that happened on Tish above. Um, the, and, and we lived through this. We, uh, you know, protested from afar, but the Gaza disengagement 
which which you look back, that was a disaster. That accomplished zero jack diddly squat. That um, that happened on Tishanov. All of these are serious disasters. My sister-in-law was at the Kotel when the people from Gush Katif arrived with their Torah schools. They 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 got on the buses at Gaza on Tishabav. My sister was standing at the Kotel morning on Tishabav, right? Morning they lost at the Holy Temple. These bu- my sister-in-law, the but these buses showed up and people from Gush Katif arrived. They immediately, without going to another home, without putting down their clothing, anything, they walked with their Sefer Torah scrolls uh to the to the and sobbing to the to the to the Western Wall of Jerusalem and asking God how how he could do such a thing. That was a disaster. Um uh, now let's let's go inside and look at some of the major 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 ones. Number one, just yes, one, just one. Yes. Uh, what was the, what was the reason why 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 so much catastrophe happened to the Jews on Tishabov? What, what, what like the Jews sinned or something like that? Something happened, right? Well, the face of this was destroyed because the Jews sinned. So you can um, something about that. I don't know. So so. It depends. You could look at it on a case by case situation and talk about which, uh, at least whichever ones you choose. There are there's rabbinic thought explaining why we had each disaster. The question of why specifically that day is explained that during the sin of the spy of the spies, when the Jews heard spies returned and announced that there's no way we could conquer this land. This land is filled with giants and terrifying people, and 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 there's no way we'll conquer it. There, it's impenetrable fortresses. Um, and so the Medrash tells us that, that God said, you're crying, you're crying. I'll give you what to cry about for forever on this day. That's, the, that's the only reason given for why that specific day, all of the, these, um, tragedies happened. Uh, other than that, I mean, you could go on a case by case. For example, the first holy temple was, uh, I believe it was idol worship at the second holy temple, you know, the, the, the final call for idol worship. The second holy temple was Sinat Chinam, hate. Um, baseless, baseless hatred or free hatred. Um, okay, so what I figured I'll do this year because last year I went through I think the story of Kamsa Bar Kamsa, that classic from the Talmud. Today, what I'll do is I'll read two chapters. Um, I'm going to read one chapter. Uh, now there are two sources for the first temple's destruction. I'm going to try to paint a picture before before reading this. And I'll, uh, I'll give some commentary as I go through it. I'm going to try to go through it quickly. But this is, there's two spots you could find it in this, uh, the, the second book of Kings. If you read the second book of Kings, you'll find another version of this that's a little, little bit different. Uh, not, not different. It's the exact same thing, but it has minor additions. Um, this one is the book of Jeremiah, which I find more sad. So yeah. So that's why I'm going to read from there. Chapter 52. I'm going to read what happened. So chapter 52 is the last chapter of, of Jeremiah and I guess. Sidkiyahu, King Hezekiah. He was 21 years old when he began to rule, and he ruled for 11 years in Jerusalem. The name of his mother was Chamutal, the daughter of Yermiyahu from Livna. And he did evil in the eyes of God, everything that Yehoyakim had done. That's referring to all the idol worship. Right? That's uh, generally... Uh, um, they, they talk about, uh, the, throughout the history of the kings, the books of the kings, it's this king did evil, this king did good, this king, most of them did evil. Well, and, well, what yeah. was actual idol worship? What were they doing? They were, well, they were, um, worship, uh, they were sacrificing children. 
Uh, as part of it. Well, it wasn't just Molech. There was there was Baal, who was the the war god. There was uh, Asherah, who was the the sex goddess, right? And there was there was uh, all these kind of uh, well, we have some children here, some not rated PG stuff going on, and all this, um, um, yeah, and all of this. Uh, um, what was I going to say? Uh, the sacrificing of children, slaughtering children, right? I mean, I, you could understand the rationale if you think about it. By the way. If you, it's an extreme of sacrifice. What's the idea of sacrifice? The idea of sacrifice is I did a sin and I feel so terrible about it, right? I feel so, so terrible. How do I, I something happened. Okay. Between me and a fellow man, I go and apologize. Oh, cool. But between me and God, I, I don't know. I broke Shabbos, right? I broke Shabbos, even if by mistake, if I have a sensitive soul, it's going to bother me. How do I, how do, how do I make sure that, that this doesn't happen? So if there's a good feeling to, to know that I went, I took off of work. I traveled all the way to Jerusalem, however far I lived. I bought or schlepped with me a, an animal. And, you know, I went to the Cohen. The Cohen asked me, why are you bringing this? I confessed. I told him exactly what I did and how terrible I feel. He tells me, look, maybe you should have died. Instead, you put your money and into buying this, this animal, this, this ox or whatever it was, sheep. And, um, so you lose this money pretty much. You're going, and, and I'm going to slaughter it right here, um, in front of you. Watch and, if this could have been you and afterwards you feel great about it right now take that so that's something we it existed in judaism now suppose taking it to the next level there are some people who would say ah losing something you're losing money but a child to sacrifice a child now that's real god look how much i am asking for forgiveness so you can understand it's a very twisted existence on their own right We'll be back after a quick break. Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere? Are you convinced that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers? <laughs> Hi, I'm Aliza Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix. And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker. Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions, from how to get over your ex to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits. So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love, then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts. I, look, I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not arguing for child sacrifice. Just, okay. here, but I'm trying to explain the rationale behind it. The rationale behind it was, a, you know, and aside from that, with all the with the way that, that society saw it then, typically with someone with many wives, and you know, it would be someone who had uh, too many children or something, you know, or 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 not too many children, but you know what I mean. It has too many. Too many there's no such a thing as too many children. Um, but 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 I'm talking from their point of view. Yeah. How come you mentioned his mother? How come you? Yeah, like, and, and well, it often mentions the mothers. Really, like, yeah. Not all of them, but but it often yeah. Really, yeah. Like, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm not going there now as to why. But it also has to do with the, I mean, the, that's something that the rabbis always have these questions and that they, they answer it by explaining how the name is associated with his life. Right? In other words, he followed his mother's path. And if, let's say the mother's name was Tova, Right, so it'd be like, see, he was a good person. He had the mother's name was Tova, and back then, her names wasn't like, 
like today, uh, sometimes people change their names. You know, people, yeah, that was how it was done. Okay, so let me continue reading. For because of the anger of, of, of the Lord, which was on Jerusalem and Judah, that's that's the country of Judah, um, until he cast them from his presence, and then Sidgehu rebelled against the king of Babylon. Now, what happened was there was Israel is right between, is right side by side with Egypt, and then you have Babylonia. And Egypt always kind of um, seduced us and told us, look, we're close. We're your neighbor. Stick to us and we'll, we'll be there to protect you. And so to paint the picture for hundreds of years, this temple was related to Moses building the, the tabernacle, right? Meaning we got the Torah. Moses took the Torah, said, let's build a tabernacle. He put it inside that tabernacle. There's the menorah. There's the, all, the, the, all the sacrifices. And for hundreds of years, something like 800 years, uh, from Moses all the way till till the end of the, the second temple, you had sacrifices being brought there. Now, did we lose wars? We did. We even te temporarily lost part of the tabernacle. Um, but it was immediately, it wasn't fully lost. And we had the the Ark of the Covenant was was taken from us, but then returned to us. We had we had we had moments where Egypt where where Jerusalem was almost was was cl this close to being defeated. It was surrounded there was a siege there was hunger starvation um and i reached a point where three three men with leprosy just said let's give ourselves up to the enemy and they walked outside and they discovered that the that, that that the enemy had fled so we were this close several times not 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 just once so so um so the idea was this is something that like this is god's temple there's no way it's going to ever be destroyed so imagine that imagine you have 800 years of a land of something directly connected to Moses, directly connected to giving of the Torah. There's also no synagogues, right? There's nothing Jewish outside outside of the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, yeah, and during the first temple, well, there were, there were bummels. There were, right, there were right, little, little altars. There were little altars that were like, let's say you lived like four that. days. They didn't like that. That's true. But at the same time, suppose you could understand that too. If I live in those days, uh, I don't know, a week's walk from Jerusalem, Right then, then uh, you know I'm not I'm not schlepping all the way out to Jerusalem. I'll I'll go do I I, I want to get the sacrifice. I'll do it here, you know. Anyway, but yeah, that was a problem. Okay, so now it came to pass in the ninth year of his rule, Tzidkiyahu's rule, in the tenth month. That's the month of Av, on the tenth of the uh, of the month. Um, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army came to Jerusalem. Actually, the tenth month. Uh, it's not. It's not. It's not. Uh, this is prior. That the, the king of Babylon and his army all came to Jerusalem and then encamped against it and built a siege wall around it. And so the city was besieged until the 11th year of Zidkiyo. So um, the the um, the ninth year of his rule, for two years pretty much, it was under siege. Um, in the fourth month, on the ninth day of the month, the famine was so severe in the city that there was no bread left for the people. And we'll read in Echo just how bad it was in Lamentations. The city was breached, and all the men of war fled and went out of the city by night, going by way of the gate between the walls, which was by the king's garden. The, the Chaldeans, right, the Chaldeans had surrounded the city, and so they went out by way of the plain. The Chaldean forces chased after the king and overtook Sikyo on the plains of Jericho, and all his forces had scattered from him. There's a whole story of how he was caught. The legend goes that he was caught by... Um, they were, they were trying to hunt deer, and then they came across him as he was escaping. They seized the king, and they brought him before the king of, ba uh, of Babylon to Rivla, in the land of Hamas, where he gave judgment on him. So, Nebuchadnezzar, seen as 
the evil emperor who conquered us, he was not in Jerusalem at no point. He was in Rivloth. He was far away. He was in, um, um, I believe, in the land of Hamas is um, north, like uh, north, north of uh, north of Israel. Why did the Hamas have the same name as the land of Hamas? Nah, it's, 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 yeah, it's coincidence. It stands for something in Arabic. The, the king of Babylon then had the sons of Tzidkiah slaughtered before his eyes, and he also had the nobles of Judah, of Judah slaughtered in Rivla. The king of Babylon put out the eyes of Tzidkiah and bound him in chains. He then took him to Babylon, where he put him in prison until the day of his death. In the fifth month, on the tenth of the month, which was the 19th year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar, the chief executioner who stood before the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. Now, what does this tell you? This tells you that... That there was a heck of a long time. This is, is um, it, it was conquered on, when was it conquered? This was, it was conquered on, it was breached and conquered on the four, uh, fourth month, the ninth day of the month. This is the fifth month, the tenth day of the month. This is the tenth day of of, not the ninth day. Um, so, so they breached it uh, uh, before they entered the city. And now on the, on the, on the tenth of of, which is, uh, yeah, the tenth of Av um, is when. So they were waiting. The Jews thought that our ancestors thought that it was going to be fine, right? We'd been conquered before. What happens when you conquer? When you conquer a, a place, you're not going to destroy the place. Now it belongs to you. Why would I go destroying the place that belongs to me, right? Suppose tomorrow the I don't know the Russians came and conquered Montreal. They're not going to raise Montreal to the ground. They're not going to. They're not going to tear down the Olympic State, uh, the, the Olympic Stadium. Although they should, um, but no, they're, they're not going to do these kind of stuff. They're going to. They're they're, they're going to keep it up there, right? They want more tourists coming in, especially if it's a temple. Imagine all the the people coming in. The amount of money you could make from it, right? So so nobody thought that he would actually go through with it, and especially again, imagine eight hundred years. This is connected to Moses. This temple is directly. Connected to Moses, we have inside. We have you know items that that go right back to Moses. So uh, and then after waiting for a while, um, he gave the order to Nebuzaradan. The order came, and he was uh, he he arrived in Jerusalem. Nebuzaradan was sent, and he burnt the house of God, the palace, and he burnt by fire every large house in Jerusalem. According to tradition, that started on the ninth day above. Was when he burnt. The holy temple. The and the entire Chaldean army, which was with the chief executioner, broke down all the walls of Jerusalem. Then it was the chief executioner, exiled some of the poor of the people. The rest of the survivors in the city, the deserters who had deserted to the king of Babylon, and the rest of the multitude. But he left some of the poor of the people in the land as vine growers and farmers. So Jerusalem was torn down to the ground; didn't exist. In every other, pretty much every other ancient civilization, that happens. <laughs> Civilization's over. Your religion is over. Gone. Not, but, but we're still around. The Chaldeans then broke and carried away to, to Babylon the copper pillars that were in the house of God, and the bases, and the copper sea that was in the house of God, and they took away all the kettles, shovels, instruments, bowls, spoons, and all the copper vessels used for the temple services, according to tradition. Afashverosh later used this in the story of Purim. The chief executioner took the bowls, fire pans, basins, pans, candlesticks, spoons, and the pipes and sorted them. That that which was gold to gold, and that, that which was silver to silver. And then it goes on. There's uh, um, 
and it continues. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read through the whole thing, but it talks about all the murders that that were done to some of the to some of the ma- the major people, and um, and bringing everyone to Babylon and killing them over there. And um, yeah, no more needs to be said. Um, by the rivers of Babylon, right? Uh, uh, crying uh, Al Naras bubble. If you read in, in Psalms, you'll see just how devastating it was. So that I think, in my opinion, was the most devastating point point of Jewish his, point in Jewish history. It was it was terrible. Okay, that's the end of the first of the temple. After that, we somehow survived in Babylonia. We somehow. Um, reinvented Judaism, changed it from a religion. I mean, after all, we were the only religion that had a God that wasn't a physical God, right? They didn't, they didn't kill our God. Our God's invisible and everywhere. So our God exists in Babylonia. So for us, we can, we can, um, we continue to worship him, but, and they, that's the beginning of uh, prayer and things, things change. You see Daniel prayed facing Jerusalem, right? Um, uh, it, things change, but we are, we're always, and we always have been, and we continue to wish for a return to Jerusalem. Now we return to Jerusalem. We built, we rebuilt a second temple and the second temple lasts many, many years. The story of the Maccabees, Hanukkah happens during this time. And, uh, Judaism gets very exciting, but this is filled with baseless hatred. Uh, the, this era is, uh, there's so much hatred, I mean, so much division among the Jews. Um, civil war. Pretty, it led, it eventually, yeah, there were, there were plenty of civil wars. And, um, um, yeah, there was, there was, um, and eventually, even within, as the Romans conquered, you would think, kind of like today, you know how in Israel, you have these, the parties, and they hate each other, and they're screaming at each other, and throwing things, and, and protesting against each other. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Palestinians start throwing some bombs in the air, and everyone unites, like nobody cares. That's not what happened there. Over there, the Romans surrounded, uh, um, the Romans surrounded the temple, and through that all, there was plenty of infighting. There was, in fact, food for 25 years of surviving a siege, and that was burnt by one faction who who, who wanted to force uh, everyone to um, who wanted to force everyone to, um, to 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 join the fight. Okay, I'm just going to read one part, this one thing, and this is a lot more devastating because this is Josephus. And Josephus, um, he was he was a Jew who. He was a traitor. He he jumped to the side of the Romans, but uh, to be fair, he would have been killed. So you know it's understandable. Um, and he very and he became the historian of this. And he's very he goes into very much detail. And his words are have been proven, you know, archaeologically to to be uh, to have been very real. He was there. He was there. It's known from his side, from our side. Okay, I'm though, gonna... he, though he was commissioned by the enemy. Yeah, he was commissioned by the enemy. So there were some things that, yeah, you know, he couldn't say, obviously. Okay, anyway, I'm reading The Wars of the Jews, um, six, um, six, four, one. So that's where I'm reading. Okay, um, recording has somehow been paused, but all good. Who paused it? Am I supposed to press play? What am I supposed to do? Play. It's going to restart. Ah, there we go. Okay. Um, so, um, let's, let, let me get start reading. Um, and now two of the legions had completed their banks on the eighth day of the month of, of, um, whereupon Titus, okay, Titus, he was the, he was later the emperor, but he was at that point, the commander of the army. He gave orders that the battering rams should be brought and set over the Western edifice of the inner temple. 
For before these were brought, the firmest of all the other engines um, had battled the wall for six days together without seizing, without making any impression upon it. But the vast largeness and strong connection of the stones were superior to that engine and to the other battering rams also. That's how thick the walls were. The stones were heavy. You could even see now on, you know, on the Kotel. The Kotel isn't the Holy Temple walls, but it's, but you could also see thick, big um, stones. Other Romans did indeed undermine the foundations of the northern gate, and after a world of pains removed the outermost stones, yet was the gate still upheld by the inner stones and stood still unhurt, till the workmen, despairing of all such attempts by engines and crows, brought their ladders to the cloisters. Now the Jews, and just before he described the terrible hunger, the Talmud talks about the terrible hunger and gives some very, very, very safe, very nice stories. He goes into detail. If you want to open up your The War of the Jews by Josephus, and you don't want it's it's not PG. Now the Jews did not interrupt them in so doing, but when they were gotten up, they fell upon them and fought with them. Some of them they thrust down and threw them backwards headlong. Others of them they met and slew. They also beat many of those that went down the ladders again and slew them with their swords before they could bring their shields to protect them. Nay, some of the ladders they threw down from above when they were full of armed men. A great slaughter was made of the Jews and also at the same time, while those that bear the ensigns fought hard for them as deeming it a terrible thing and what would tend to their great shame if they permitted them to be stolen away. Those are the, the you know, the people running around holding the big uh, sticks that had like the eagle on top of it for the, for the Romans. It would be the equivalent of the guys running around with the flags of whatever country today. You know, if there's a war, so there were special people who would run around carrying the flag. Yet did the Jews at length get possession of these engines and destroyed them uh, and destroyed those that had gone up the ladder, while the rest were so intimidated by, by what those suffered who were slain that they retired. Although none of the Romans died without having done good service before his death. Of the seditious, those that have fought bravely in the former battles did the like now, as besides them did Eleazar, the brother's son of, Sh of Simon the tyrant. But when Titus perceived that his endeavors to spare a foreign temple turned to the, to the damage of his soldiers and made them to be killed, he gave orders to set the gates on fire. This is not the, the beginning of the fire of the destruction of the temple, though. In the meantime, there deserted to him Ananas, that's Hanani, who came from Emmaus, the most bloody of all Simon's guards, and Archelaus, the son of Magadatus, they hoping to be still forgiven because they left the Jews at a time when they were conquerors. Titus objected this to these men as a cunning trick of theirs. And as he had been informed of their other barbarities towards the Jews, he was going in all haste to have them both slain. He told them that they were only driven to this desertion, the, the desertion because of the utmost distress they were in and did not come away of their own good disposition and that those did not deserve to be preserved by whom their own city was already set on fire, out of which fire they now hurried themselves away. However, the security he had promised deserters overcame his resentments. And he dismissed them accordingly, although he did not give them the same privileges that he'd afforded to others. And now the soldiers had already put fire to the gates, and the silver that was over them quickly carried the flames to the wood that was within it, whence it spread itself all on the sudden and caught hold of the cloisters. Upon the Jews seeing this fire all about them, their spirits sunk together with their bodies, and they were under such astonishment that not one of them made any haste either to defend himself or to quench the fire. But they stood as mute spectators of it only. This is another temple where, you know, it had gone 410 years of, you know, not being, yes, being crushed here or there, but never really being put on fire. However, they did not so grieve at the loss of what was now burning um, as to grow wiser thereby for the time to come. But as though the holy house itself had been on fire already, they whetted their passions against the Romans. This fire prevailed during that day and the next also. 
but the soldiers were not able to burn all the cloisters that were round that that were round about together at one time, but only by pieces. But then on the next day, Titus commanded part of his army to quench the fire and to make a road for the more easy marching up of the legions, while he himself gathered the commanders together. And then he goes through all the names of the commanders. Um, now, some some of these thought it would be the best way to, uh, to act according to the rules of war and demolish it, because the Jews would never leave off rebelling while that house was still standing, at which house it was, it, it, it was that they used to get it all together. Others of them were of the opinion that in the case the, that in case the Jews would leave it and none of them would lay their arms up on it, he might save it. But in that case, they got upon it and fought anymore. Uh, he might burn it because it, then, it must then be looked upon not as a holy house, but as a citadel. Okay, this is going through technicalities. But Titus said that although the Jews should, should get upon that holy house and fight us thence, yet ought we not to revenge, revenge ourselves on things that are inanimate instead of the men themselves. Titus, Titus did not want the house, the temple to be destroyed. He saw it as financial gain in short for, um, for the Romans. Um, yeah, where was I? Um, and that, uh, okay. And that he was not in any case for burning down so vast a work as that was, because this would be a mischief to the Romans themselves as it would be an ornament to their government while it continued. Right, it would look good. Uh, it's still standing. They can make a lot of money off it. So Fronto and Alexander and Surrealis grew bold upon that declaration and agreed to the opinion of Titus. Then was the assembly dissolved when Titus had given orders to the commanders that the rest of their forces should lie still, but that they should make use of such as were most courageous in this attack. So he commanded that the chosen men that were taken out of the cohorts should make their way through the ruins and quench the fire. Now it's true that on this day the Jews were so wary and under such consternation that they refrained from any attacks. But on the next day they gathered their whole force together and ran upon those that guarded the outward court of the temple very boldly through the east gate. And this about the second hour of the day, these guards received that uh, their attack with great bravery and by covering themselves with their shields before, as if it were a wall, they drew their squadrons close together. Yet it was evident that they could not abide there very long, but would be overborne by the multitude of those who sallied out upon them and by the heat of their passion. However, Caesar, seeing uh, from the Tower of Antonia that this squadron was likely to give way, he sent some chosen horsemen to support them. Hereupon the Jews found themselves not able to sustain their onset, and upon the slaughter of those in the forefront, many of the rest were put to flight. But as the Romans were going off, the Jews turned back upon them and fought them. And as those Romans came back upon them, they retreated again until about the fifth hour of the, of the day when they were overcome and shut themselves up in the inner court of the temple. So there were thousands of Jews in the inner court of the temple. So Titus uh, returned, retired into the Tower of Antonia and resolved to storm the temple the next day early in the morning with his whole army and to encamp round the holy house, round about the holy house. But as, as for that house, God had for, for certain long ago doomed it to the fire. That's his religion coming in there. And now that fatal day had come according to the revolution of ages. It was the 10th day of the month of Av, according to us, it was the ninth, upon which it was, oh, sorry, it was the 10th day of the month of Av, upon which it was formerly burnt by the king of Babylon. Although these flames took their rise from the Jews themselves and were occasioned by, by them, for upon Titus's retiring, the seditious lay still for a little while and then attacked the Romans again. When those that gar guarded the holy house fought with those that quenched the fire that was burning in the inner court of the temple, but these Romans put the Jews to flight and proceeded as far as the Holy House itself. At which time, now here's the key, one of the soldiers, without staying for any orders and without any concern or dread upon him as, as so great an undertaking, and being hurried on by a certain divine fury, snatched somewhat out of the materials that were on fire, and being lifted up by another soldier, 
he set fire to a golden window through which there was a passage to the rooms that were round about the holy house on the north side of it. So he threw he threw the fire basically into the where where people were. As the flames went upward, the Jews made a great clamor, such as so mighty an affliction required, and ran together to prevent it. And now they spared not their lives any longer, nor nor suffering anything to restrain their force, since that holy house was perishing, and whose sake it was that they kept such a guard about it. And now a certain person came running to Titus and told him of this fire as he was resting himself in his tent after the last battle, whereupon he rose up in great haste and as he was, ran to the holy house in order to have a stop put to the fire. After him followed all his commanders, and after them followed several legions in great astonishment. So there was a great clamor and tumult raised, as was natural upon the disorderly motion of so great an army. Then did Caesar, referencing Titus, both by calling to the soldiers that were fighting with a loud voice and by giving a signal to them with his right hand, order them to quench the fire. But they didn't hear what he said, although he spake so loud, having their ears already dimmed by a greater noise another way. Nor did they attend to the signal he made with his hand either, as still some of them were distracted with fighting and others with passion. But as for the legions that came running thither, neither any persuasions nor any threatenings could restrain their violence, but each one's own passion was his commander at this time. And as they were crowding into the temple together, many of them were tr were trampled on by one another. This is this is the Jews who, um, it was, uh, remember what happened in Meron? That's exactly what happened. While a great number fell among the ruins of the cloisters, which were still hot and smoking, and were destroyed in the same miserable way with those whom they, had, whom they had conquered. And when they were come near the holy house, they made as if they did not so much as hear Caesar's orders to the contrary, but they encouraged those that were before them to set it on fire. As for the seditious, anytime he says seditious, he's referencing the Jews. They were in too great distress already to afford their assistance towards quenching the fire. They were everywhere slain and everywhere beaten. And as for a great part of the people, they were weak and without arms and had their throats cut wherever they were caught. This is referencing all the innocent Jews, the women and children who were who were there, because there were many of them pulled um, up over there. Now, round about the altar lay dead bodies heaped one upon another, as at the steps going up to it ran a great quantity of their blood, whither also the dead bodies that were slain above on the altar fell down, almost done. And now, since Caesar was no way able to restrain the enthusiastic fury of the soldiers and the fire proceeded more and more, proceeded on more and more, he went into the holy place of the temple with his commanders and saw it with what was in it, which he found to be far superior to what the relations of foreigners contained and not inferior to what we ourselves boasted of and believed about it. But as the flame had not yet reached to its outward part, but was still consuming the rooms that were about the holy house and Titus, supposing what the fact was that the house itself might yet to be saved, he came in haste and endeavored to persuade the soldiers to quench the fire and gave order to Liberalius and Centurion and one of the spearmen that were about him to beat the soldiers that were refractory with their staves and to restrain them. Yet were their passions too hard for the regards they had for Caesar and the dread they have had of him who forbade them, as was their hatred of the Jews and a certain vehement inclination to fight them too hard for them also. So Titus, Titus really tried to stop the fire, um, at least according to Josephus, um, and who's writing at that time, not later. And um, yeah, he, he couldn't, the, the, there was too much hatred, too much anti-Semitism and anger. Moreover, the hope of plunder induced many to go on as having their opinion that all the places within were full of money and as seeing that all around about it was made of gold. And besides, one of those that went into the place prevented Caesar when he ran so hastily 
out to restrain the soldiers and threw the fire upon the heads of the gate in the dark, whereby the flame burst out from within the holy house itself immediately when the commanders retired and Caesar was with, with them, and when nobody any, any longer forbade those that were without to set fire uh, to it, and thus the holy house burnt down without Caesar's approbation. Anyway, it goes on, and, and he, he, he mentions, I'm just skipping a bit, however, one cannot but wonder at the accuracy of this period thereto relating. For the same month and day were now observed, as I said before, wherein the holy house was burnt formerly by the Babylonians. Um, now the number of years that passed from his first foundation, which was laid by King Solomon till his destruction, which happened in the second year of the reign of Vespasian, are collected to be 1,130 besides seven months and 15 days. And from the second building of it, which was done by Haggai in the second year of Cyrus the king till his destruction under Vespasian, the, there were 639 years and 45 days. And then there's a whole bunch more, but that's where I'll stop. Um, read it for yourself. It's very appropriate Tisha B'Av reading. Um, if you want to read, there's a, there, the rabbinic outlook um, from also more or less an original source, but it's not an original source. It's a copy of Josephus. It's like a from religious copy of Josephus done around uh, the year, I, I think, 800 or 900, something like that. Um, it is called Yosipun. Yosifun. That's a, traditionally many religious Jews read Yosifun, which gives... Um, the angle in which uh, Josephus himself is a traitor. Okay, now let's go to Eicha. It's so the Book of Lamentations. Do, eh? Oh, uh, yeah. Want to do Mariv? Should we do Mariv? Um, maybe we should do Mariv before we have a minion. Let's do Mariv. We'll do Mariv and we'll follow it with Eicha. Okay. Okay. We could schlep this to the front, right? Is there enough? Uh... Let's grab a let's grab a book of. Uh... Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course, I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode. 